Hey guys, happy Mother's Day. Can y'all hear me good? All right, good. So uh, I have two special people I want to say happy Mother's Day to first. My mom is here, so happy Mother's Day. She put up with me, so hats off to her. And then Miss Tracy, like Zach referenced, she's my mother-in-law, but she's also the mama of, uh, spiritual mama of all of our churches. So um, she leads with such grace, and I'm so thankful for her. You're thankful for her, even if you've never met her, because all the people that she's trained, it's because of her. So let's give it up for Miss Tracy. She's preaching at our Jennings campus this morning. So, uh, okay, I've got some pictures for y'all so you can see my people. If you could throw the first one up there. These are my people uh, from the right. It's Eli, Isaac, Amelia, Peter, and Timothy. And it's impossible to have everyone look at once. So we just go with it, you know, why try? Uh, and then Caroline will be with us in October. So, okay, I wanted to explain some real life, what life is like for me. So just wait for it. Next picture. Okay, so you probably can't see it very well here. But um, there's already been some damage control that's happened here. You see the towel on the floor. Um, the water is no longer running. And it's no longer cascading over the sink as a beautiful waterfall onto the wall and the floor. And my one-year-old is no longer playing in it. So this is what happened when I tried to write this message. <laughs> so I, uh, if you're a mom, you know, like, when things are quiet, then something's wrong. <laughs> but I tried to, it's my fault, I tried to take advantage of the quiet, and I, so I snuck away for a second in a different room. Um, and then my daughter comes running in, and she's like, Mom, there's water everywhere. I don't know what's wrong. Something's happening. So, I, of course, you throw everything, and you run in there and check. And my one-year-old, he's, like, oblivious, like, having a heyday, playing in the water as it's cascading over the sink. Um, and, you know, everywhere. This is a much better situation than it was when we first went in. It wouldn't have been that bad if a few days before, you can show the next one, this wouldn't have been the issue. Y'all see that orange thing in the, the trash can? That's a toy that was flushed. Um, and we thought that was the culprit. But after a lot of issues trying to figure this out, um, my husband, I love my husband, he took the whole toilet off and had to figure out there was a bottle top and a sippy cup lid in the toilet <laughs> stuck. And that was the reason why previously, a few days before, we had heard, we thought the, the sink was on, but no, it was the toilet cascading, overflowing with water onto the, everything. So this is normal life for us. A lot of y'all probably think, oh, God, they just float around and life just happens so easily for them. But no, this is what happens when we try to make a message or whatever. It's real life. So anyways, um, another thing, I wanted to give y'all a little insight about me. Um, in January, I was training to do a half marathon. And what went into that? I had decided I was going to eat really healthy. So I was like, okay, so I'm not going to, most of the time, that in, entails you cut out sugar and you cut out carbs. So I was eating really healthy, eating fruits and vegetables and meats. Um, and then I got pregnant. And you feel like death. <laughs> you really feel like you have like a stomach virus for two, two weeks, two, well, two months for me. It was a long time. So uh, I hate to admit it. I couldn't stomach a fruit or a vegetable for like two months. I'm praying this baby turns out okay. Um, but like, Literally two months, like I went back on, I had said, oh, I'm going to eat healthy this whole, this whole time. And then I'm like, the only thing I can eat is like complete trash, like the junkiest of junk food. So anyways, I just kind of said, okay, well, whatever. Um, this is just what it's going to be. And if it'll, whatever, I don't care. Um, so I have a quick question for y'all. Uh, if we can be honest, I know this is church, so, you know, hard. Uh, if we can be honest, what do y'all, have y'all ever come to a place where you say, I'm going to eat, like I'm going to cut out chocolate. Anyone ever said, I'm going to cut out chocolate? 
There's got to be more of y'all than that. Come on. Okay, <laughs> there you go. Okay. Or Cokes. Like, I'm not going to drink Cokes anymore. Anyone said that? I've done this plenty of times. Or, like, I'm not going to eat this kind of food or junk food or whatever. Okay, now this is where the honesty comes in. What is the one thing you think about when you say you're cutting that out? <laughs> it's that food, right? If you say you're cutting chocolate out, then you're like, I can't think of anything else but chocolate. I can see the chocolate in the lady's purse across the street. You can, I mean, you, like, you know all the pieces of chocolate that's in your, your child's Easter candy, and you've already rated it for like the next day. You just can't help it. Right? Or you see that commercial. If you say you're cutting out Coke, that McDonald's commercial where you see the fizz coming off the top of the Coke and... This is personal experience, I guess. Um, <laughs> so anyway, I had, uh, I, I had done that, and I'm sure all of you have done that. But I think Lisa Turkhurst, it's a, uh, she's a speaker and a writer. She puts this into words really well. This is what she says. The mind feasts on what it focuses on. What consumes my thinking will be the making or the breaking of my identity. Let me say that again. The mind feasts on what it focuses on. What consumes my thinking will be the making or the breaking of my identity. So for Mother's Day especially, but I think this applies to everyone in here, you'll see um, this is not just the Mother's Day message. I believe that what consumes our thinking is the regrets and lies. And this is the main reason our lives feel broken at times. So let me pray and we'll just start this off. God, thank you so much for being here with us today, for loving us in the middle of our mess and bringing us out of it. God, I pray that you would speak to everyone here today, God, that you would use my words and that they turn into your words. That it wouldn't be me, but God, it'd be you. I pray that you would bring freedom today to every person in here in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so um, it's going to be a little serious at times, but um, I have a question for you guys. I feel like if we're honest, if we're honest with ourselves, we all have moments where we just, okay, you're going about normal day-to-day life, okay? And something happens, maybe your child does something, or, you know, like, your spouse says something, or um, a friend says something, and then you kind of just have this, like, all of a sudden, this light bulb moment, and you feel this weight of inadequacy, this weight of lack, this weight of, I'm not enough, this weight of failure, especially in mothering and parenting. Um, I feel like it's, you're just going about life, and then just all of a sudden happens, and you see your lack, you see it, Oftentimes, these are the things that we end up thinking about, right? And it ends up consuming us. So it's kind of similar to like when someone compliments you. A hundred people can compliment you, and then one person say something negative, and that's, that's the thing you're thinking about, right? The one negative thing. So I think this is the same principle. So I just want to be vulnerable with you guys for a little. Um, I have two of my, personally, my um, prominent areas that I'm defined by my inadequacy. So this is not going to be yours, probably, but um, just... Two areas in life that I feel like I can see my lack, I can see how I just don't measure up, and it can easily define me if I let it, if I let my thoughts stay there. So one is parenting, and I'm a stay-at-home mom, and um, I had homeschooled for, uh, thank the Lord, they're in school this year. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Power to all you who did it, but um, man, it's exhausting. So uh, I had five, all all five at home for a good majority of my, my mothering um, times, but then as of this year, two of them are in school, so I've got three home, and that means they're with me everywhere I go all day long for everything, errands, everything. Um, so parenting. Forbes magazine, anyone heard of Forbes magazine? It's a pretty big magazine. They did this article, um, and it was the nine toughest leadership roles, and they had one through nine, and then they ranked them. 
So y'all just give a whirl. What do y'all think number one was? Parenting. It's stay-at-home parenting, but I feel like parenting is the, the like, winner. It's just any kind of parenting. Um, so this is one of, some of the things that they have in there, the statistics. There are some 5 million stay-at-home mothers in the United States. The pros are your uniform is stretch pants or comfortable clothes, whatever, and makeup and adult conversation is optional, which I would prefer have adult conversation a lot of times. Um, you don't have the backstabbing and the, the drama that comes along with having to, you know, get water at a water cooler at work and have all that stuff. So that's definitely a, pr a pro. The con is sometimes hearing that, um, oh, that's an important job. And in a condescending tone where they don't really mean it and you can tell. Um, I've had that plenty of times. Or, um, okay, this is really interesting. It's been calculated that the amount of hours a stay-at-home parent puts in, they should earn $100,000. Now, y'all, I would take that. Um, I've told Zach that, but <laughs> he doesn't. he's just like, whatever. Free is good to me. Um, so, okay, the next thing. Even if you do your job right, the little people that you raise, they end up leaving your house and you're empty nesting. So um, kind of like there's a lot of cons to it, too. But I want, I want you all to think seriously for a moment. Um, I feel like all of us end up coming to this place where we see our lack in parenting. If you're a parent, you see your inadequacy, and it's because you really, really want to do this right, right? It's the most important thing in your life. You want to be the best you can. You don't want to fail them. You don't want to scar them and wound them so that they need counseling when they get older. You want to, do, you want to be all they need, right? So uh, that's number one on my list. Number two is pastoring. Uh, Fun fact, pastoring actually hits number five on that list of tough, toughest leadership jobs. So I tell God, God, why? This is comical that you trust me with both of these because um, I feel like I'm blowing all for all of it. Um, but so uh, on a serious level, God has entrusted us with such awesome people. I mean, you guys are awesome, and we love what we do, and God has just really blessed us. Um, but then people look up to us a lot, and they place expectations on us. Um, and a lot of times we just can't fulfill it. A lot of times those expectations are perfection or that we have to perform a certain way. Um, and, uh, I mean, truthfully, we're human. You know, we can't, we can't do everything perfectly. So I would never, ever, ever want to hurt someone or wound someone intentionally. And I would never come to a place where I would um, want someone to leave the church or leave the Lord and not trust him because I was human and I hurt them or I just wasn't perfect. I didn't meet their expectations, or I didn't handle the situation right. Um, so that's just a heavy weight for me, and a lot of times I've just seen how inadequate I am for this. Um, and if I'm going to be honest with you, I've come to a place where I've just said, this one particular time, um, about a, probably a year and a half ago, I had come to this place, and I, had just, I was literally in tears, and I was just saying, God, why do you trust us with this, with these children? Why do you trust us? I can't do this perfectly. And you knew it. I can't do this um, like, I see what I need to do. I see the ideal, and I just can't get there. And with pastoring, I see what I should do. I know what, like, the right way to do things a lot of times. Or I try to handle it the best I can, but my best is just not good enough. So I had come to this place, and I was just crying out to God, and I was telling him, like, why, why do you trust us still with this? And I want, I want to tell you this, because this is what God kind of revealed to me, and I believe it's for you too. This is what he said. This lack is intended by God to direct us back to the only one, the only one who is capable of complete perfection, that it's not by accident. 
It's to bring us to a glaring awareness of our desperate need and our inability to achieve perfect parenting, perfect marriages, perfect relationships, perfect friendships on our own. This is our opportunity to live out the gospel, to display it in our everyday life, to display that God never expected perfection from you or I. Thank God, right? I mean, thank God, because I couldn't do it. Um, and he knew we couldn't achieve it. He knew we couldn't achieve perfect perfection um, and that we'd need to lean on him for it. So, I mean, isn't this really what the cross says? What Jesus said whenever he went to the cross. So, if you think about it, what's the whole reason that Jesus went to the cross? God had this law this for perfection. Like, this is what is, is required for you to enter into to, um, to eternity. And he said, okay, perfection is the standard. Well, we couldn't do it, so he sent Jesus to the cross to be that perfection for us. So pretty much Jesus outed all of us. He said, none of you can do it. <laughs> none of you can be perfect. None of us can handle that weight. And so I think a lot of times we try to carry that weight. We try to handle the perfection. We try to at least put out the image that we've got perfection handled and that we, we can do this. But really, Jesus outed all of us. So if we can just own that, I feel like that would probably relieve a lot of weight from us. Um, so my question for you is this. Have you ever felt like this, where you see you're lacking, you see where you're failing, and you desperately want to change it, but you just can't perform like your imagination displays? Many of us are just waiting for our actions to fully line up with our intentions in parenting. So I have a few examples for you. I'm not going to yell today. Okay, can we be honest again? How many of y'all have said that? There is way more of y'all. Maybe internally you said that. Okay, I've said this. I've said this. Um, I'm going to raise them res to be responsible. And then the follow-through is a lot harder, right? Uh, I'm not going to stress the next time money is super tight. Any of y'all said that? I'm going to parent with patience like that mom. And you've all done that comparison thing of, oh, that's who I'm going to, I want to do that. I want to be like her. Um, I'm not going to rush in to fix things when my adult child is struggling. <laughs> yeah, so we say we know the ideal that we have. We know what we want to achieve, but to actually get there, I find it's really, really difficult. And I think that's where we end up staying because we don't make it to where our ideals are. And we end up staying in that middle ground of regret and failure. So what was encouraging to me is Paul, um, he's an apostle, and he wrote a third of the New Testament. So dude has his stuff together. He didn't just read the Bible, he wrote the Bible. Um, this is what he said in Romans. I feel like this is, if you can listen to it and really let it sink in, let God's word speak truth to you, this is what it says. It's powerful. For if I know the law, but I still can't keep it, and if the power of sin within me keeps sabotaging my best intentions, I obviously need help. I have said that. I realize that I don't have what it takes. I can will it, but I can't do it. I decide, to not do, I decide to do good, but I don't really do it. I decide not to do bad, and then I do it anyway. My decisions, such as they are, don't result in actions. Something has gone wrong deep within me, and it gets the better of me every time. It happens so regularly that it's predictable. The moment I decide to do good, sin is there to trip me up. I truly delight in God's commands, but it's pretty obvious that not all of me joins in this delight. Parts of me covertly rebel, 
And just when I least expect it, they take charge. I've tried everything and nothing helps. I'm at the end of my rope. Is there no one who can do anything for me? Isn't that the real question? The answer, thank God, is that Jesus Christ can and does. He acted to set things right in this life of contradictions where I want to serve God with all of my heart and mind, but I'm pulled by the influence of sin to do something totally different. So friends, this is what God is saying of us. This is what's most difficult for us, too. God knows your humanity and my humanity will wound those we love. God knows we're going to have bad days. And you'll feel the weight of regret. He knows you'll think of the thousand, sometimes millions of ways you should have done something differently, especially as being a mama. And that sometimes you'll be in tears, feeling like you have just failed as you feared. But this is where our hope lies. Your imperfect and my imperfect but wholehearted attempt at obeying God is your platform to demonstrate the gospel. What I mean by that is it's not by accident. God gives us a grace to be human. It's not by accident that we all struggle and to meet our ideals, that we all try and fail. He, in fact, designed it this way so that you and when you fail your children again and your spouse again and when you fail your friends again and you fail to be financially wise again, that you can infuse the gospel into that situation. That that very failed moment, it creates a gap of imperfection that only the gospel can fill. That in that moment, when you fail your children, you can go to them and just say, baby, I'm so sorry. Mom yelled at you. Will you forgive me? Mom's not perfect. I, Mom wants to do the, the best thing. I want to do what's right. I can't always do it. But we can both go to the one who is perfect to help us. So about a year ago, on an especially hard day, um, with, with all the things that life entails for me, um, I, I wrote this in my blog, and it's just as a little snippet, but this, I want you to just let this sink into you for a moment. The whole time, God is saying to us that he designed it this way. It's not by accident. He doesn't expect perfection from your parenting. He instead uses a mess we create to bring this beautiful truth, his beautiful truth, into reality. That God did not create us to be all our children need. Instead, he made us so that our failures, they display their deep need for Christ. That they are hopeless without him. That even if they had perfect parents and a perfect life, that their soul would still be plagued with dissatisfaction apart from God. He gives us grace to be human. He gives us grace to display the gospel in our failures. And he is faithful to always fill the gaps that we create. So, the truth is, I will be more, and I will do more for my children as I rest in God's plan to display the gospel through my weakness and failures. Now, I don't know about you, but I'm pretty sure we're the same here. I would much prefer him work through my strengths and my ability. I've told him that, you know, like, God, come on, show, do your best work through what I can do, not what I can't do. But he doesn't, I guess he doesn't agree. Um, so uh, I have another scripture from Paul, the guy I referenced earlier. 
Um, he said, uh, let me give you a little context in it. So it's in 2 Corinthians, but this is the, he, he had, okay, if y'all know anything about the Bible, the, um, the Jewish people were God's chosen people, and that's who, they, salvation was coming to the Jewish people, and then God spoke this revelation to Paul, and he showed him that it's not just for the Jewish people, it's also for Gentiles, for you and I, people who were not Jewish. So Paul was the first person for this to really be revealed to, and God spoke it directly to him. So he's going to reference this revelation, and that's what he's talking about. It's a major, major deal. Um, and this is what he, he's, he says. This is what he refers to. Because of the extravagance of those revelations, what I just referenced, so I wouldn't get a big head, I was given the gift of a handicap to keep me in constant touch with my limitations. Satan's angels did their best to get me down. <laughs> what he did, in fact, was push me to my knees. How many of y'all have felt like parenting at times has just knocked you down? Yeah, me too. I'm pretty sure everyone in here, that's a parent. No danger then of walking around high and mighty. At first, I didn't think of it as a gift, and I begged God to remove it. Three times I did that. And then he told me, wait for it, this is what, my grace is enough. It's all you need. My strength comes into its own in your weakness. Once I heard that, I was glad to let it happen. I quit focusing on the handicap, and I began focusing on the gift and appreciating the gift. It was a case of Christ's strength coming in on my weakness, and now I take limitations in stride. With good cheer, these limitations that cut me down to size. Abuse, accidents, opposition, bad breaks. I just let Christ take over. And the weaker I get, the stronger I become. So most theologians believe that this handicap that Paul references is um, a physical ailment. So it's something that he uh, had to deal with on a constant basis that he, he, in his physical body that he felt. But I can assure you that we have all in here, um, parent or not, we've all felt this handicap in a different way. There's one handicap that's just glaring at us on a daily basis. It's there as your patience has reached its end and you snap in frustration. It's there as your, <clears throat> uh, you get a, school, a call from the school and uh, your child is in trouble again. It's there as your teens are running from all that you've taught them. And it's there as your children that are adults blame you for the, cir the circumstances of their life. Paul's weakness, his insufficiency, and our weakness, our insufficiency, is the platform that God chooses to demonstrate the gospel. That's what I love about that scripture. If you look at the context behind it, um, and you look at the people, the theologians who have gone and done um, studies on it and stuff, they say that that's, like, that was literally like God, Paul said oh, this weakness thing, like this struggle of like, I can't do it, I want to do it, I can't do it, that that was God's platform for Paul to demonstrate the gospel. And he had a major, major role in it. But guys, you have a major role with your family, with your children. And this is it, that you can display the gospel through your weakness and through your struggle and through your failures if you in, and let God come and be a part of it. And if we don't try to fix it ourselves and make it, try to act like we got it all together. So your platform for displaying the gospel to your children is your imperfect but wholehearted attempt. So what I want to leave you with today is actually what I started with. Your mind feasts on what it focuses on. 
What consumes your thinking will be the making or the breaking of your identity. So may you dwell on how good God is to partner with us in our struggle. That he does not demand perfection, but that he helps us progress. On the difficult days, may you set your heart on the gospel of grace and pursue God. Try to know him more. We must dwell in his truth, and this is it, guys. What you set your mind on will be what will be the making, the breaking of you. If you set your mind on this truth, that you will do the absolute best with where you are now. You'll try. You'll give all you can. You will lay down everything. Motherhood is exhausting, and it's difficult, and it causes a lot of sacrifice. And you lay down your life over and over and over, and you never feel like you measure up, and you never feel like you're good enough. But you know what? We do the best with where we, where we are now, and we trust God that he will work all the rest out for our good, our children's good, and for his glory. That's the truth that sets you free. That's the truth that we anchor ourselves into. That's the truth that we dwell on, because then it will, it will not break our identity, but it will make our identity.